Thanks for tuning in. We hope this message encourages and challenges you today. Here's a special midweek message from Pastor Marco de Barros. You can genuinely ask anything, and I'm going to do my best to get through all the questions. If your question's not answered, we'll do another one of these at some point, so you can save it for a rainy day or an elevate night. Okay, question number one. Pastor Marco, what are you most excited about right now and why? Man, what's there not to be excited about right now? Um, there's so many good things going on in our midst. Obviously, we're in the middle of this building project, praying that <laughs> everything goes through. Um, that's a big deal. Um, but, you know, I, it may sound cliche, but I'm excited about every time I hear a story about Jesus changing people's lives. Like, so that good. never gets old for me. No, this past Sunday, we had 17 people come to the Salvation Table. Whoop, whoop. Um, Can we give awesome. it up? That's like a church in New England, ladies and gentlemen. The Sunday before, we had 14 people come. Uh, we just finished another great season of cruise. Heck yeah. With, with over 200 people in attendance every single week. Who loves their crew? That stuff excites me. Um, Baptism coming up excites me. I love to see people getting baptized. Um, so far this year, I already did three weddings, and we got five more lined up. Like, that stuff excites me, what God's doing. Amen. Um, so there's so much to be thankful for, but every life changed by Jesus excites me. You know, so I was in a meeting um, about our, our next outreach that we're going to do, and a guy that doesn't come to our church said this to me. He said, uh, I know a girl that goes to your church. And I know her entire life she struggled with drug addiction. But since she started coming, her life has changed. And she hasn't touched any drugs since she's been there. She's like, I haven't been, but I can testify of what God's doing in your church. Now, when someone outside is testifying about what God's doing in your church, like, that's that's pretty awesome. That's so good. So I can go on and on. I I just love seeing Jesus changing people's lives. Amen. And guys, we can never let this be normal. Right? This is huge. 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 I've always wanted to say that every time he says huge. it. Everyone say huge. huge. There we go. Pray well, for Trump. <laughs> yes. So he doesn't take us to war. Please, dear God. Seriously. Tomorrow is actually the National Day of Prayer. For yes, those of you that are not aware. Trump. Over 2 million people across the country. Even if you don't like him, pray country. for him. <laughs> He's our president. <laughs> wow, y'all actually sent a lot of text messages. Already? I think we have 40 text messages. Wow. I'm going to do my best. Okay, so... What does pastor mean by don't be religious? So examples, and then how do you overcome that? Yeah, I mean, you know, Christianity is put in the category of religion, just like any other religion. But it was never meant to be a religion. What I mean by that is it was never meant to be a ritual, ritualistic routine where you kind of go to a building and you say the prayers and you sing the songs and you go back home. Um, that, that was never the goal of Christianity. You know, Jesus said he came. To, so that we may know the Father, like have a relationship. You know, that's why we say relationship over religion, you know, because when you're in a relationship with someone, you want to get to know that person, right? You want to have intimacy with that person, and you want to grow in that relationship. And so it's, it, it was meant to be a relationship in the first place. And so when we say don't be religious, we mean like don't get caught up in just the rituals, right? Because the rituals are empty. You know, they don't live to life. A lot of people go to church, but you see their lives, they're empty. Why? Because they don't have a relationship with God. That, that is cultivated on a day-to-day basis, and, that, and then it grows. Like, if you're a Christian, if you're really following Jesus, like, you shouldn't look the same six months from now. But if you look Amen. the same, then you fall into that religious category. Because God is forever changing us. Right? I've been, I've been following Jesus for 19 years, and I feel like I'm just getting started. Right? And the more I know about him, the more I feel like I don't know him. Right? And so it's about really wanting to know God and his will and his heart and his desire. That's why I tell people, like, it's not obligation to serve God or to go to church or to serve people. No, it's a relationship. And out of that relationship comes the desires to pray and to read and to do all that stuff. But we don't do those things because we have to. We do it because we want to. Because of those things that God has given us to cultivate the relationship. So really, that's what we mean when we say don't be religious. We're saying, like, really make sure that your heart and your mind is engaged in God. And having a real encounter with him. Like tonight. I mean, you can't tell me if you're engaging God, you don't feel his presence tonight in a real way. You know? So good. Okay. So many good ones. 
Oops. Is suicide an unforgivable sin? No, the Bible never says that. You know, I, I don't know what point in history people decided that that's, that's God's unforgivable sin. There's nothing that God won't forgive, you know. And we've got to remember this, too. Like, I think sometimes we have this, 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 this terrible theology of putting people in heaven or hell. Only God can do that, you know. And so we, we have to trust God that he's merciful, he's just, to, to look at people individually. And only God knows what's happening in that person's heart and mind in that moment, you know. So we have to be very careful. I feel like people send people to hell more than God does. Yeah. Okay. So we have to be very careful not to put people in categories that God doesn't put them in certain categories. Because at the end of the day, here's what I always tell my students. When it comes to heaven or hell, that's God's place. None of us have that place. We're not called to have that place. Okay? So we have to trust that God's merciful because he is. Amen. The Bible says he's way more merciful than you think he is. And so I trust that, you know, and I believe that God treats each and every one of us individually. Amen. So good. How do you explain the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit Trinity? You don't. <laughs> you don't. Honestly, any, any illustration that I've heard over the years and I try to come up with does not do it justice. You know, uh, that God is three in one, one in three, um, you know, with equal parts, but all at the same time the same. Uh, and I believe that's how God wanted it to be. Um, and so it's not a matter of us trying to understand it. It's like what, it's like what Augustine said, right? You try to, rack, try to put this big God into your little tiny brain. Uh, it doesn't fit. And if it does fit, then you have the wrong God. So good. You know? um, and so... It's the most complex thing about our faith is that Father's, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Um, and, and to me, that's the beauty of this relationship because the more you get to know him, the more you're like, man, there's so much more to God that I haven't even understood and explored. You know? and, so, and so when it comes to those questions, to me, it's like, man, keep exploring God. You see different layers of the Father, different layers of the Son, different layers of the Spirit, but they're all one at the same time. So uh, outside of that, just leave it alone. <laughs> Well, on that note, does God forgive divorce? Of course. Man, God hates divorce, he says. Why does God hate divorce? Because God doesn't like to see people suffer, right? Anytime there's divorce, there's, there's, there's consequences, you know? And so that's why God says in his Bible, he says, I hate divorce. Why? Because I know the effects of divorce. But of course, God is a God that forgives. God is a God that restores. Um, and, and there's a difference between uh, a, a sin and the consequences of it, you know, that God may forgive you, but there's consequences, unfortunately, that you live with. And that's what I love about the Bible. The Bible is so honest about things. You see people uh, going through things they shouldn't go through, and they pay high consequences for it. And God leaves it in there to say, look, look what happens when you don't do it according to my will, you know. So that's why he says he hates divorce, but he also is a God that will restore you and, and, and empower you to have a better future if that's been in your, in your life. So good. So how would you suggest moving past a terrible breakup or moving on after divorce? You have to forgive. Because here's the thing with forgiveness that people don't realize. Like, forgiveness is not for the other person. It's for you. So good. Right? Uh, You know, I've heard this this being said about unforgiveness. It's like you drink poison, but you're expecting the other person to die. You know what I mean? Or or that you, you are behind bars and you have the keys to free yourself. So you have to forgive. You know, when Jesus was on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. You know that if you, if you study the Greek, he said that over and over again. Which means some things you might have to keep forgiving until you feel released from it. Because some hurts are deeper than others. Right? But if you don't forgive, first of all, you, you block the path to God. Because God says, if you don't forgive, I, how, how can I forgive you? You don't forgive. Okay? And then, and then you block the path to be a blessing in a person's life. You know what I mean? So at the end of the day, it's about forgiveness. It's about letting go. Sometimes, and when I say forgiveness, I mean like you got to also forgive yourself. Because sometimes we have a hard time forgiving ourselves. You know, Jesus said, love your neighbor as you love yourself. You know, so sometimes you got to give yourself some grace and move on, right? Because your past is your past, but it doesn't define you, right? God defines you. He takes your past, he molds it, shapes it, and he uses it for his glory and honor and to edify you. But you got to learn to forgive. That's so good. I think we can all do a little practice in forgiving ourselves. Amen. So how do you break a soul tie? And maybe let's just back up. What is a soul tie? And then how do you break it? You know, you know, this is, this is an area that uh, is very difficult for our society to understand. In, 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 in biblical terms, when you sleep with somebody, you pretty much wrapped yourself up with that person. 
Okay, this is why the Bible says keep sex for marriage. Why? Because it's the, it's the most sacred thing you will ever do with anybody else. You know? yeah. And so when you open that door, what you, you, understand, you have to understand is what you bring to the table, what the person brings to the table becomes a soul tie. In other words, what is happening in your life, in that person's life, becomes now one burden. Right? And that's why a lot of people break up, but they never really moved on. Because they never dealt with what that person brought into their lives. You know, so breaking soul ties is saying to God, first of all, Lord, I need to repent because if you're not married, you need to repent from, 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 from sexual sin. I know our society doesn't say that, but that's what the Bible says. Yeah. Why? Again, why does God tell you to do anything? It's for your own good. Yeah. It's for your own good. Yeah. Right? When he says, like, keep the sanctity of marriage sacred, it's, what he's saying? He's saying, like, I want you to be blessed. I don't want you to give something away that's going to cost you a lot and not yeah, yeah. sure if that person is going to be committed to you for the rest of their lives. Right? And so in, in, in biblical terms, having sex with someone is giving yourself away, mind, body, and soul. Right? And so what happens is when two people are not on the same page in their soul, whatever's in your soul is going to get on you. Right? And that's why people don't realize sometimes how spiritual things are. Right? You break up with someone and you never struggle with depression. Maybe that person's depression got on you now. You know, that, that person's lust wow. got on you now, right? That person uh, is, is a lack of commitment now is on you. And so you got to break those things, and you do that through prayer, by repenting and saying, God, I, 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 I forgive me of my sins. Empower me now to not go back to that. Because the Bible says the only uh, sin that's very different from the other sin is sexual sin. Why? Because you sin it against your own body. Wow. The Bible says your body is meant to be a temple of the Holy Spirit. Right? It's a temple of the Holy Spirit, which means like it's not supposed to be shared with just anybody. It's supposed yeah. to be a relationship that God anoints and says, okay, you are husband and wife now, and I'm going to bless you, and that your sex life will be blessed by me because I created it in the first place. So you break Amen. soul ties by saying to God, okay, from this point on, this will never be. Like, I was saved at 20 years old. I was sexually active, right? And that's one of the things that God made it very clear to me. You're going to be a man of God. You have to be sexually pure. And by the grace of God, I never had sex again until I was 27 when I got married to my wife. Can we clap for that? It is possible to wait. So good. So good. So on the vein of sexual decisions, if you are gay, are you definitely going to hell? Or are you condemned? No, not at all. Again, this is the stuff that I'm saying. Like, we have to be very careful to not put people in categories that God doesn't put in your category. Yeah. Now, now, the Bible makes it clear that the lifestyle, a gay lifestyle, is not God's best for you. Okay? He makes that clear, right? But he doesn't condemn you. He says, listen, you can get out of that lifestyle, right? Everybody has a struggle somehow, right? Yeah, yeah. Because you may, okay, you may not be gay, but if you're sleeping around with someone that's not your wife or your husband, you're in sin. Yeah. You know what I mean? So any sexual activity outside of marriage between a husband and a wife, God considers to be sin, missing the point of why yeah, I yeah. created sex in the first place. Now, everybody has different struggles, right? It's okay to struggle with something, but it's another thing to embrace it, That's right. right? So I know yeah. people that have gay tendencies and they struggle with it, but... Because they love Jesus, they say, that's, that's one thing that I surrender to Jesus so that I don't get that's in so the way good. of his will for my life. I know this is a tough thing to swallow in our society because anything goes nowadays, but I believe God has better plans for you. Now, yeah. we don't look down on someone who has those tendencies because everybody has a tendency to sin some, in some way or another. Yeah, that's you know? so true. And so we have to be careful not to put certain categories like being gay is not the greatest sin in the world, yeah. right? It, it's a struggle. Right? But embracing that struggle, just like embracing anything else that's not God's will, then it becomes a lifestyle. Yeah. You know? But God does not condemn you. I don't believe that at all. For God so loved the world that he gave his son Jesus to anyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And so it's a matter of the person saying, Is this, do I want to embrace this lifestyle or do I want to surrender that lifestyle to God and let God now begin to, to reshape and mold the way I view my sexuality? Because you're not a sexual being. You're more than that. Yeah, amen. You know? That's so good. So good. As a follow-up to that, so gay or just having sex outside of marriage, how would you encourage people to go about surrendering, surrendering that identity to God and letting him work and restore and renew? I think the mo- one of the most powerful things the Bible talks about is a made-up mind. Mm. There's nothing more powerful than a mind that's made up. Because when your mind's made up, then you don't say things like, it's so hard. You don't understand. Nobody understands. No, when your mind is made up, then, then surrender becomes easy. Yes. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's about making up your mind. The problem with a lot of people is they, they don't make up their mind. Yeah. 
One moment they got, the next moment they let in whatever happens, happens. Yeah. You know what I mean? Surrender says, Lord, it's your will. I know it's not going to be easy, but by the power of your Holy Spirit, I'm going to live the life you created me to live. I not, may not be there yet, but I'm on my way. It's a yeah. journey. Amen. Right? It doesn't all happen overnight. Right. right? But when you have your mind made up, I guarantee you, because when you have your mind made up, God is like sending all his angels, all of his power to you to say, listen, now everything is available to you to overcome, yeah. to, to live above the level of sin and mediocrity, whatever that is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? But you have to make up your mind. That's the problem with people. Sometimes, you know, as a pastor, it breaks my heart. I see people on Sunday. They want to be blessed. But then on Monday, their minds are already going back to the world. Yeah. You got to make up your mind. Like, it's Jesus on Monday. It's Jesus at 2 in the morning. It's Jesus at 2 in the afternoon. Come on. That's so good. That's so good. So my question is, when you were first saved and stopped going out, did you ever have an instance when you went out and if you didn't, any advice on getting over the whole factor of going out? I'll tell you, I had, I, I think I had, a, everybody's story is unique. I had a unique encounter with Jesus. I was, I had just turned 20 years old. This is, I got saved Memorial Day weekend, 1998, okay? Um, 20 years old, you can imagine, my life was about sports, hanging out, partying, having a good time. Yeah. Jesus honestly revolutionized my life instantly, Okay? Which I knew the moment when I got saved, I knew my life wasn't the same. And I knew that I can't go back to the same things. Yeah. You know? yeah, my main concern that day was, what am I going to tell my boys? What just happened to me? <laughs> when you're 20 years old, you're worried about your boy. <laughs> you know? And I remember like, the, coming back from, from, from this church experience and trying to explain to them. And I remember them saying, oh, man, it's a phase. You'll grow out of it. But you know what? Every day there was a hunger. But here's the thing. Here's what people have to understand. I fell in love with Jesus. So good. You know what I mean? It wasn't like I'm trying hard to not do something. No, it was like when you're in love, it shifts you, man. It changes the way you see things. It's different. You know what I mean? And so, and so honestly, I know it may be sound crazy to you, but I, I never drank again. I never went to a club again. You know, because it was like, I don't need that anymore. Like, it was that clear to me. Like, this is the life I'm choosing. And then, and then, and then I just devoted myself to this thing every single day. Like, there wasn't a day that I didn't read this thing, yeah. right? And it was so good that I just couldn't stop reading, you know? And I was so blessed good. because I got saved, and some of my boys got saved too. So, automatically, we begin to kind of help each other. This is why the Bible says, like, iron sharpens iron. Like, it's good to have people around you that want the same things as you want. Um, because what happened to us is, so, Friday nights, when we used to go clubbing, end up becoming Bible study, you know? <laughs> and so, and Only so, God. And so, listen... <laughs> One, two in the morning, we are cracking open the Bible, praying, reading. Saturday, mo- Saturday night, same thing. And then Sunday, we're in church. And so that became our routine to, so the, to the point that it's like, what did we used to do before this? Wow. You know what I mean? That's so so if your mind is made up, I'm telling you, sky's the limit what God would do with you. Amen. So we have three different messages. So I'm just going to paraphrase because they're all three in that vein of drinking and leadership. Yeah. What are your thoughts on drinking? What is the expectation for leaders? Bible does not condemn drinking. Okay, um, but the Bible does condemn getting drunk. Okay, there's a difference, right? As far as leadership, the Bible is very clear. If you want to be a leader, you have greater responsibilities. Yeah. Right. So for us in your life, we make it very clear. If you want to lead a ministry, you don't drink. If you if 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 drinking is more important to you, then don't lead. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, so for us, it's not that. Again, when your mind's made up, it's not hard. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because to me, it's like, can you imagine, like, you're in love with Jesus, but you're like, ah, but that beer, though. <laughs> to me, it's just, uh, it's foolish, honestly. To me, it's like, listen, it's not that serious. Will your life drastically change for the better if you don't drink? I, I believe it will. It will. Facts. I believe it will. You know Facts. what I mean? Will it, will it change drastically if you keep drinking? I believe it will, too. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So to me, it's like, yeah, we don't tell people you can't drink because it's not there, but it says very clearly, don't be ruled by any substance outside of the Holy Spirit. He said, listen, the Bible says it this way. He says, Ephesians 4, 23 says, don't be filled with wine. He says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, that's a choice. It's two highs. Which way you want to go? You know what I mean? Uh, But the Holy Spirit becomes, to me, the replacement of anything else that makes me feel like I have to have it. Yeah. You know? That's so good. We have two messages that ask about your thoughts on tattoos. Again, it, that's another one, another taboo subject, right? Here, here's what I've always said about tattoos. Like, again, the Bible doesn't condemn tattoos. But, but there is 
There is this part, though, I think it takes discernment. The question is, why do you want to have a tattoo? That's good. Okay, because in the Old Testament, tattoo was a symbol of slavery. People used to be marked because they were slaves, right? So you got to ask the question, what is driving my desire to have a tattoo? You know what I mean? Like, is this a slavery mindset? Because a lot of times, to be honest with you, being a youth pastor, a lot of times kids want to have tattoos for all the wrong reasons. Yeah. Or dye your hair or change your clothes. Like, it's like, you always got to ask the question, what is the motive behind what I'm trying to do? Yeah. You know what I mean? Such so, a good and I question. think that, that comes with discernment, also with accountability. Do you have people around you who can ask you these questions to say, why are you doing this stuff? Yeah. In the vein of just making decisions, would the same advice you have for drinking apply to smoking marijuana? Oh, absolutely. Again, it's a substance that, that we allow in to, to control our minds, to control our ease. Like people say that they, they do it for medicine reasons. To be honest with you, 99% don't do it for medicine reasons. You yeah. know what I mean? They do it because there's an emptiness somewhere that, that Jesus hasn't filled. You know what I mean? So again, whether it's a relationship, whether it's drugs or, or alcohol, anything that you have to have, then it becomes an idol. Right? And God says, don't have any idol before me. Like, I need to be your number one priority, and I don't want anything to intoxicate your mind to keep you away from my will for you. Remember, it's about renewing your mind, not conforming. It's about transformation. <laughs> so good. So good. So we're going to switch gears to ministry. How do you know if you're called to be in full-time ministry or if you're just experiencing a passion for God? When the Lord calls you, he confirms it. And he confirms That's it in good. many ways. One of Because I, I work with young people that are considering ministry. I always tell them, listen, if you feel a call to ministry, then consecrate yourself to the Lord. And let the Lord confirm it. He will confirm it through his word. He will confirm it to other leaders. He will confirm it to different circumstances and experiences. One of the things that I always tell people is this, is if something is, is, is there in your spirit. You can't shake it and pay attention to it. Because sometimes you might feel something, but if it's not there two, three weeks later, maybe there was just a feeling. You know what I mean? That's so good. And, yeah. and so learn to be in the word and let, and let God be the one to confirm it through his word, through his people, through experiences. How do you pick leaders in the church? Three things. Three C's for me. Chemistry. Okay. Can you, can, you, can you work well with other people? Okay. Character. Because I could care less about your gifting if you don't have character. Yeah. Right? I tell, again, because I work with young people, I tell them all the time, God doesn't bring you to ALC to work on your gift. He brings you to work on your character. Wow. Okay? So your character yeah. is way more important than your gifting. Yeah. This is why we're not quickly to put someone on stage. Because yeah. it's like, listen, you could be a great singer, but if your life doesn't match up to what you're singing, then it's pointless. Yeah. You know? So these guys will tell you how much we talk about character all the time, right? Because to me, it's like when someone walks into church for the first time, I don't want them to see a band. I want them to see a consecrated group of people Amen. who love Jesus. Okay? So, so, so I say it again, chemistry, okay, character, but then competence. You got to bring something to the table. You know what I mean? Like, like, we don't need you to look good. We need you to work. You know what I mean? So those three C's for me are the, are the, are the most critical things that I look at. That's awesome. I pray all the time on how am I supposed to get over an abusive husband and move on. Again, some things take more time than others. That's why I say Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They know what they're doing over and over again. And so some things we have to release to the Lord on a day-to-day basis. I remember one time someone hurt me. Uh, going back to college, and it was a really uh, serious thing. And it took me, honestly, months to fully feel like I was free from that thing. And so, and so I encourage you to daily surrender that thing to the Lord. And then if you, can, if you can get some counseling, Christian counseling, I would highly recommend it. Talk to someone that can help you kind of work through your pain and through your struggles. That's awesome. Can you explain generational curse and how that works and how God brings redemption and revival to a family? I think, I think all of us... Such a good question. I think all of us has been marked by something from a past generation. The reason why I'm so passionate about drinking is because my dad was an alcoholic. Okay? When I was 12 years old, I remember saying out loud, I wish he would die. Okay? Why? Because I saw what alcohol would do to someone. 
he was physically abusive. He was emotionally abusive. It was hard to go, like, I mean, I still get emotional about it, you know? So generational curses is, 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 is you identifying those things that hold your family back and begin to pray that God breaks those strongholds off of you and your kids, you know? And so, and so here's what I've, I've always prayed over our kids from, from the first one was, was, God, I pray they never have to taste the things of this world to realize how good you are and that nothing from my past will come and interfere with their destiny because, because your blood, Jesus, has washed me, has washed my family, and we have a new path now. We have a new beginning. We have a new perspective in life. And for some of us, you didn't have a, a you know, my dad was present, but he wasn't present. But some of you guys, didn't, he wasn't even there. And so you have to begin a new shift, a new mindset to say, no, Lord, it's going to be a different thing. I break those strongholds. I break those things that hold my family back. Divorce will not rule this house. Addiction will not rule this house. We break it in Jesus' name. You know. And by the way, don't give up on your family members. My dad today is the greatest man of God that I know. Okay, God will change people. When I was 19 years old, my dad gave his life to Jesus, and he started a new legacy for our family. And, okay. and, and one thing that I pass on that my dad has given me was when he got saved, he realized that he made a lot of mistakes. And so he started, he started this thing called Church Starts Our Home. He says, we're going to be a family, wow. our home, that loves Jesus, and we're going to do our best to follow Jesus and, and, and break the things that the past hurt us so much. So don't give up on anybody. Trust me, if, if God can save my dad, he can save anyone. Amen. People used to tell me, your dad's crazy. I'm like, I live with the man. Like, you don't have to tell me. You know? Amen. A question that follows in that vein, if you've been declaring the word of God over a situation, for instance, if you're sick, and you've been declaring by his stripes I am healed, and you're not healed yet, what advice do you give to someone to keep pressing? I actually heard a great message on that today about staying faithful even when you haven't seen results. So good. Right? Because God has seasons. Right? And a lot of times in the Bible, we forget that uh, you read two verses, six months went by, two years went by, three years went by. Yeah. God is faithful to honor. Right? A lot of times it's a test of patience. Right? right. Can you trust me? Can you trust my timing? Yeah, yeah. Can you trust my way? Right? Because I can tell you stories after stories of people who kept declaring, kept believing, and begin to see, like my dad. Right. Mm-hmm. My grandmother was the faithful one in our family that always prayed for my dad. And I believe that God honored her prayers in due time. Yeah. Right. It wasn't my time. It wasn't, you know, anybody else's time, but it was God's timing. Yeah. Right. To bring it to pass. I say you keep praying about what you're believing until you see it come to pass. Amen. Amen. With timing in mind, I've been waiting for someone to spend my life with. I'm getting older. And as a woman, it's socially unacceptable to be promiscuous. And that is not where my heart is. Where will the Lord lead me, and how will I know when I've met the one? Well, first of all, do you love, the, do you love this, this imaginary person more than you love God? Say that again. Because. <laughs> that was so good. Because sometimes we get so, like, asphyxiated with a thing or a person that we miss the point of, of, of the greatest relationship that we have with our Heavenly Father. You know? And it could be anything. Like, sometimes people get so caught up on something that they miss the bigger picture. Yeah. That, that God says, I'm the one that will sustain you, yeah. right? And, and remember this, right? This is, this is this another, listen to the word all week, right? Here's another thing that was so powerful that I heard this week, right? When, when Adam was alone, we don't know for how long, right? God says it's not good for him to be alone. What did he do? He put him to sleep, right? He put him to sleep, and then he, and then he created Eve out of his ribs, right? Which, which tells you, listen, learn to rest in God. Like, he'll put you to sleep until he's ready to give you what you need in your life, right? But you gotta, the key is you got to rest in him, right? Yeah. Why did he put him to sleep? Because he would be fidgety, right? God, he's like, no, i got to put you to sleep. Like, trust me. Be still and know that I'm God. Like, I'll take care of the things that you want in your life. So, I don't know who's that for, but go to bed. Every single person in this house. (laughs) That's so good. So many such good things. Okay. What is the best way to overcome lust? You have to go cold turkey. Okay. Again, another mistake that I'm seeing in church is people want God, but they want everything else. Okay. You have to go cold turkey. 
Right? When I got saved, he made it clear to me, you want to be a man of God, then get rid of everything that smells or look or feels like lust. Right? One of the first scriptures that I memorized, Ephesians 3, 5, says, among you there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality. Not even a hint. Okay? Sometimes people say we're too intense. I say this, we're not intense enough. Okay, because God is an intense God. He says, I'm a jealous God. Like, I don't want you to put anything in front of me, right? The more you take God seriously by, co- by cutting off everything, the more he's going to take you seriously and bless your life, right? So that means everything, right? A kid came into my office and said, Pastor, I struggle with, with lust and my phone. I said, give me your phone. I said, I'm going to set up a password that you don't even know about and you will never know again. So I put a password. I don't even know the password. But I said, guess what? Your phone will never be a stumbling block in your life again. Go to your room. You have, a t- you have a computer in your room? Throw it out the window. Do you care more about your soul or do you care about your computer? Okay. Again, what is important to you? Okay. If, if holiness is important to you, believe me, you're going to make a way. Right? And you're going to surrender that thing to God every single day. Listen, this is very serious. A lot of people don't see the fullness of God because they don't give God the fullness of themselves. Wow. Okay, I want yeah. everything that God has for me. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, over the years, I've heard people say, you're old school, all this stuff. It's like, listen, I'd rather be old school and blessed than to yeah. be new school and broken. Okay, so listen, whatever it takes, okay, whatever it takes, yeah. right, whatever it takes, and have someone in your life that can check in and says, how are you doing? How are you really doing? Right, and they can help you on this journey. But listen, you got to do your part. The greatest accountability partner you will ever have is yourself. Because yeah. you got to choose either, am I telling myself the truth or am I lying to myself? Yeah. Right? You can lie to the pastor, but you can't lie to yourself. Adam, where are you? It was God saying, are you going to lie to yourself or we're going to get things right? Yeah, right? So whatever it takes, you got to go cold turkey. You want to quit anything? It's cold turkey. It can't be, I'll gradually lu- stop lusting. Maybe per chance. Yeah. Wrong. That means you're not serious yet. You're not serious yet. Come back when you're serious. That's so good. What's proper dress attire for church, especially for the girls? Like, what not to wear, in your opinion? I think, honestly, the moment people ask that question, they already know. (laughs) They already know. Like, you wouldn't be asking that question if something wasn't questionable already. You know what I mean? Sometimes people need to answer their own question. You're about to leave the house, and in your mind, it's like, I feel something questionable. Well, that's the Holy Spirit saying, uh, you're going to do something about this dress? <laughs> like, seriously, though. And then, and then you get mad when someone pointed out. He had already pointed out to you at home. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, summer is coming. Like, be attractive for who you are, not for what you're trying to expose. You know what I mean? That's so most of the time, I'm telling you, 99%, 99.9 points, you already know. Because you're wondering. You wouldn't be asking that question if you weren't wondering. I already feel like something is weird off here. It's like, well, then listen to it. You know what I mean? Do you want people to look at your body or do you want them to look at you? Right? Because you will, listen, the way you dress will either attract the right person or the wrong person. Then you get mad. This guy is always, well, you're giving them reasons to keep doing that stuff. Because it's funny how, like, when you get really, like, into the Lord, the, the wrong people will see it all over you. They don't even try. Yeah. Yeah. You heard me say this before. Like, they'll look at you, and you look at them, like, Negro, please. Like, I'm all set. <laughs> you know. Why am I always attracting the wrong person? Well, because you're always attracting the wrong thing. Because you're always dressing the wrong way. You're always talking the wrong way. Yeah. So don't be surprised when you attract those things. Yeah. You know what I mean? True story. Do you have any advice on receiving the grace God has for us, even through the whispers the enemy tries to tell us, more specifically over sexual sins from our past? This is a big one. You know, I'm going to talk about this on Sunday. That, you know, I struggle with this too. That uh, we have grace for everybody but ourselves. It's so easy for me to preach to you, but then to receive it for myself. You know, it's amazing how I can say to you, man, you're amazing, you're awesome. But then I look at myself, I'm like... Uh, you know, but I think that's a, that's a life in the pit of hell. I think, I think God created you and he loves you and he's for you. And that's why it's critical that you get up and you surrender yourself to him and you, and you go here and you read what he says about you and how you feel. And this is going to be a practice, a daily practice, because again, 
depending on how much your past hurt you, the more you have to kind of cleanse yourself with the word of God. Listen to me. This is not about positive confession. It's deeper than that. Yeah. Okay. This is about aligning yourself with God's word. When Jesus was tempted, he said, it is written. Okay, so you got to know what God says about you, not what your feeling says, not what your past says. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Amen. And sometimes you got to just declare the word over you. Get up in the morning and say, I'm a new person. Yeah. Why? Because 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, I'm a new person. Amen. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Philippians 4.13. Right? Yeah. Romans 8.28, you know, God works everything out for my good. Right? You have to declare those things and keep washing your mind and heart over and over with it. Just like you take a shower every day, right? Take a spiritual shower every day so and good. cleanse your heart and your mind and declare what God says about you, not what the enemy says. That's so, good. That's so good. So in hearing the voice of God, what do you do when time is up in a situation? You have to act, but you haven't yet had the Holy Spirit give you the answer for the situation. Okay. I hope you can hear me on this. I think... The more I'm in church, the more I'm seeing this. People over-spiritualize things. God will speak to you on the go. Yeah. Right? Like, sometimes, can I be honest with you? You don't have to pray about some things. Because you already know what you need to do. You're just confusing yourself by praying more. Right? Because the Holy Spirit goes with you. He's not going to always say, behold. You know? Right? You are carrying the Holy Spirit with you. So make a decision. Make a decision. And trust God with it. Right? If it's a big decision, well, pray. Pray. Consecrate yourself. Get some people praying with you. Right? But, but make a move. Don't be the Christian that just talks about making a move. Right? If I have a pet peeve, that's my pet peeve. Some Christians, all they do is talk about it. And they don't act. Right? Oh, we've been praying. We've been praying. It's like, wait. Prayer leads to action. You got to act. Stop spiritualizing it. Can I be honest with you? Sometimes it's just laziness. Just get up and do something. Stop calling it. I'm waiting on the Lord. Because waiting on the Lord implies like I'm going to do my part and the Lord will come in and do his part. That's what waiting means. Like I'm actively doing my part. Right? But we need to stop with this over-spiritualizing, over-analyzing, over-the-top Christianese that doesn't make sense to anybody. It doesn't help anybody. You know, act. Right? Act. And the Lord, if you're walking with him, he's going to steer you. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's going to steer you in the right direction. So a Christian term that we use is consecrate yourself. What do you mean by that? Well, the, the word consecration is the word devotion. is the word holiness. Yeah. Right? It's the word set apart. It means like I am fully yours, God. I'm giving myself over to you. And when I'm consecrating myself, I'm checking my heart. Is there anything that I have reservations that I haven't fully given over to the Lord? Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I believe this with all my heart. Some people don't see the fullness of God because they don't fully give themselves to God. Yeah. You know what I mean? God's not looking for part-time followers. He's looking for full-time followers. Yeah. Well, you may not be a full-time pastor, but you're a full-time Christian. Amen. Right? And so wherever you are, be fully his. Right? Be fully his. Not half his. Not kind of his. Be fully his. That's what it means to be consecrated. Like, I'm the Lord's uh, any time of the day, any day of the week. You know what I mean? I belong to Jesus. Amen. What are your thoughts on seeing spirits? On what? Seeing spirits. I can fully qualify the question. I have a young niece who lives with me and is seeing dark shadow figures around my house. She's also seen it in her previous home. She can't sleep and it really worries me. I prayed over my home and her, but I want to know what this means spiritually. Well, it's hard to say what it means because um, here's here's what, in my experience over the years, what I've dealt with this stuff, exorcism is real. Okay. It's not a Hollywood thing. It's real. It's not, it's not fun. It's graphic. Okay. Um, I've experienced it only a few times in my life. But here's the thing. Usually, first thing I tell people is, uh, did you open any doors that you shouldn't open? Because when you open doors, you're, you're, you're inviting spirits. We live in a spiritual world. I don't want to spook you. I don't want to, like, scare you. But listen, here's some things that people open doors to spirits. You know, did you go to a palm reading? That's the wrong spirit. That's not the Holy Spirit. Okay, tarot cards, Ouija board, okay, black magic. White man, like all that stuff is not the Holy Spirit, right? And so you're inviting the wrong spirits into your life, right? Uh, uh, Christian rationalism, you know what I mean? Uh, psychics, okay? These are all wrong spirits, and the Bible condemns those spirits, saying, like, do not 
go to those things because that's not the spirit of God. Yeah. Right? Sometimes we're searching for answers. We want to go to these things. No, you got to go to the Holy Spirit. You got to go to God. And so if you open those doors, you got to shut those doors. You got to break this, the, the, the stronghold in your family's life because you got to ask even your kids, like, what did you guys yeah. do? Were you doing anything that might brought these things in? Okay, once you do that, then begin to pray against those things and never touch those things again, renounce those things and call on the Holy Spirit to be in this house to take care of, like go to every room and anoint the room with the presence of the Holy Spirit. How are we doing in time? We are doing well. I mean, you're working through these in record time. Speaking on divinity and magic, what are your thoughts on Harry Potter, magic cards? Uh... UGO? Yu-Gi-Oh? Yeah. And Halloween. There was a question about Halloween too, so we'll throw that one in there. The, the thing when it, when it comes to this stuff, okay, I hope you can hear me on this. There's three extremes when it comes to this stuff, okay? One extreme is everything is of the devil. The other extreme is the devil is not real, okay? So, so what, is, what is the best approach? The best approach is the biblical approach. You know, the best approach is to say, okay, God... Give me discernment through these things. Okay? Because we have to be careful not to be those crazy Christians. That's of the devil. That, you know, remember, what a boy. My mama said, my mama said, that's of the devil. Um, you have those Christians. They freak me out. When I was teaching in Christian high school, uh, it, some parents came in. Twilight. I'm like, what the heck is twilight? It's of the devil. I'm like, what? I don't even know what twilight is. Kids are reading the books. I'm like, I have to go research this thing because I don't know what it is. You're freaking out. So it was really funny because I had no idea what, what it was at all. So I go to Redbox and rent the, the DVD with a friend of mine, like, who, two married men. I'm like, I'm like, Timmy, I need to research this thing. I never heard anything about it. Would you come hang out with me? We can watch it together. Maybe we can... You know how weird that was? Because I had no background on this. I'm, I'm, I'm hanging out with my boy. We're watching a movie about vampires falling in love with humans. It's the most awkward thing in the world. Hey, we still talk about it today. Yo, you want to go watch the Twilight? Because <laughs> there's like 10 of them. But my point is this. We have to, again, we have to be, use discernment. Okay? Not everything is of the devil. Okay, but he also will come in and use things. Yeah. So use discernment, pray and ask God for discernment, but don't start labeling things. You know what I mean? That's that's scary. Yeah. Okay, some of y'all need to knock it off. <laughs> you know, every time Halloween comes around, people get crazy. It's like, listen, listen, okay, we know there's a spiritual world, but for the most part, it's just harmless. Yeah. People giving out candy. What a great time to be a witness in your neighborhood. Right. Put the light on, give us some candy, tell some kids Jesus loves you, and stop being weird. (laughs) Amen. Don't be that guy. Like, think about it, right? How how is it, like, this is when the enemy wins. You shut off the light, no one's in the house. That's darkness. We're supposed to be the light. (laughs) We're agreeing with the darkness. Yeah, we're going to stay here, we're going to open those doors, because we're afraid. Afraid of what? You have the power in the name of Jesus to cast out stuff. Put on the light. Give out some candy. Be a nice neighbor for crying out loud. That's way more Christian than shutting off your light. That's so good. Daddy, how come those, they're all closed. Oh, those are those Christians. <laughs> Talking about killing our testimony. Like, be a nice neighbor. We should be the nicest neighbor in the world. Amen. Hey, Halloween's coming around. Hey, let's get some Bible scriptures. Let's put them in some things. Let's show these kids the love of Jesus. Yeah, like, give them light. Yeah, Don't hide. Uh, I know a lot of y'all are struggling with that one. <laughs> <laughs> Yoga and Zumba. <laughs> <laughs> I was told that yoga was meant to worship other gods, and Zumba is provocative. Is it really that serious? I have no idea. <laughs> There's types of yoga that's, that's, that's related to Eastern meditation. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the, the only scary thing about Eastern meditation tells you to empty your mind. That's the last thing you want to do. 
again, I'm talking about inviting spirits in. You don't want to be, you don't want to empty your mind. You want to fill your mind with the word, right? So the only yoga I would say to avoid is the yoga that's telling you to empty your mind and call on Ari Krishna or some other god. Um, but Zoom, I don't even know what the heck Zumba is. It's dance classes. For it's dance out. classes, like hips don't lie kind of a stuff. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's a phenomenon sweeping the globe. I don't know. I, mean, I told you I'm old school. I want my, my I want my wife to dance only for me in my house behind closed doors. <laughs> Try my wife dancing before nobody else. Ain't nobody got time for that. So if we're gonna have Zumba, it's gonna be my class. It's gonna be in my classroom behind closed doors. We just went there, ladies and gentlemen. Even though I don't dance at all, like I just <laughs> no rhythm. Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay, um, two more questions. There have been a handful of questions around friendships. So friendships that are unhealthy or toxic. How do you rebuke someone that you thought was a friend, but they bring complete chaos in your life? Listen, I, I, think, I think that some things are better left alone and move on than to just open doors just for the sake of opening doors. Like if you feel like you need to confront a friend, go ahead. But sometimes you just have to move on with your life. You know what I mean? Because you, you can't let someone else live your life and vice versa. So for me, when I got saved, I, I knew this is what I wanted. It's just like, hey, look, guys, I'm going this way. You can come if you want to or you don't have to. But I'm not going to apologize for it. And I'm not going to yeah. sit around and wait for you. Some came, some stayed, some didn't stay. 19 years later, I'm still going. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, make up your mind and go. You know? I think we worry way too much about people's opinions. Yeah. Like, in a hundred years, those people won't matter. That's so great. You know? Like, think about it, high school, right? Remember how much we used to be, like, worried about people's Like, <laughs> here we are now in our 30s. It's like, what the heck happened to those people? It won't matter. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, make up your mind and live your life. And I tell people this, by the way. I'm very blunt when it comes to this stuff. Like, if it's Jesus, go all in. If it's the world, then go all out. But just don't go in between. You know what I mean? Like, listen, let me just say this, because as a pastor, this is what stuff that frustrates me. We're trying to start a movement here, which is going really well. But some people get in the way, because they'll come to church, but they know they're not living for Jesus. It's like you become a bad commercial for what we're doing. You know what I mean? Like, make up your mind. If it's Jesus, go all in. If it's the world, then go all out for the world. Yeah. Right? The Bible says, choose this day whom you will serve. Yeah. Okay? But make up your mind. Don't get in the way. Because here's the sad thing about that. Right? The people that are around you, you're meant to reach them. Yeah. But if you're becoming like them, you're good for nothing. The Bible says, if, if the salt loses its saltiness, it's good for nothing. Right? Don't be a good for nothing Christian. Right? Make up your mind. And I guarantee you, people will respect you for making a decision. Than to be wishy-washy. Right? They may not agree with you, but they'll respect you. If you're in the process of making up your mind, but you need accountability, how do you go about that? Well, that's simple. Right? That's simple. Again, these are the things I feel like we already know the answers to. I guarantee you, God's always saying, go talk to that person over there. You've seen him in church. You've seen him walk with the Lord. Like, take a chance. And talk to someone that's been on this journey longer than you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the, but here's what we do. We will talk to people. We'll say what we want to hear. Yeah. Instead of people that will tell us what we need to hear. Right. You know what I mean? Sometimes I see people go, they'll go around until they find a person that agree with them. <laughs> so you're never going to grow that way. <laughs> okay? You're never going to grow that way. Right. You know what I mean? Like make up your mind and find someone that you know has been walking with the Lord for a while and says, can you help me on this journey? Because we all need someone to help us. Final question around finances. Wait, I thought we said that was the final question. I know, just one more. It was a good one. (laughs) They're all so good, but we didn't cover this topic. I consider myself a devoted Christian, and I also tithe, but I've been struggling with my finances for about a year. I feel like I can never catch a break, and my account is always in the negatives, and large expenses keep happening. I believe God doesn't call us to live in poverty, so I'm not sure what season this is or how to get out of this struggle. Yeah, I think think we've all been there. There's... You know, we talked about it. There were seasons in our lives. We were like, how are we going to pay rent? 
You know what I mean? How are we, how are we gonna make ends meet? Like we've, we, I think for most of us, we've been there. You know what I mean? And it, and the good news is, it's a season, right? It's not a lifestyle. And but the key though is this: is that you have to make sure that you're doing your part. It's not just tithing, but it's being a good steward of what God's giving you. You know what I mean? Like making good decisions with your finances. It's not just saying God is ten percent, but it's like what else? What else are you doing? You know what I mean? Like if someone was to look at your bank account, how are you spending it? Creating a budget. You know, I want to recommend a book to you called Financial Peace by Dave Ramsey. Like, if you're serious about financial freedom, then then take classes and, and read books that's going to help you, that's going to empower you to make wise decisions with your money. Because God says, I want you to be a good steward of everything I give you. Yeah. Right? And then, and then when you begin to make those decisions and choices, then slowly but surely you begin to come out of that season. But you have to make sure that you're doing your part. Because we cannot be irresponsible and then say, God, fix it. You mean like God works in structure. He works in, in order. He works in, in responsibility, you know, but, but there's seasons where we all have been there, you know, yeah. but to trust God no matter what and keep putting him first and seeing him bring you out of that season. And then you'll have a testimony Amen. of how God brought you through. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Well, can we give it up for Pastor Marco? That was so good. I just I want to pray for you um, as I do. I just want to encourage you again. It's a journey. None of us have it all figured out. Yeah. None of us have every single part of our lives like, okay, lined up. That's a lie. Sometimes, again, on Sunday, I want to talk about this. We look at some people's lives and we're like, ah, oh, how come I'm not like, trust me, you're seeing them from far. <laughs> Get a closer look. And you'll see struggles. You know what I mean? You'll see battles. You know what I mean? You'll see that, that the grass is not always that greener on the other side. It's a journey. I believe the Lord is for you. Amen. I believe the Lord wants to bless you. He, and he wants to empower you. He wants to equip you. He wants to use you. But stay the course. You know, my, 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 the pastor in me breaks when I see people come, but they don't stay the course to see the fullness of what God wants to do. God wants to create legacies, right? And that takes time, right? One of the beauties of this church is not right now is, man, let's wait 10 years and see what God has done. Let's wait 15 years. Let's wait 20 years when our kids are teenagers to see, okay, what have we produced? You get what I'm saying? So stick around. Don't give up. Don't give in. It's a journey. It's a battle, okay? The best is yet ahead. But, we, but he said, in this world, you're going to have troubles. That's okay. Okay, but because he, he said, you will overcome wherever you are. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. For more information on New Life and all of our campuses, log on to www.atnewlife.org.